You're listening to The Chartographers Hello everybody You are listening to The Chartographers It is a music loving podcast for music loving people Where we take every single album by a particular artist And rank it worst to best forget the rest At this point you should know the routine Unless this is your first episode In which case listen to other episodes Get to know the routine It's great, it's wonderful, people dig it, it's exciting Hi guys, how you doing? So uh, listen, season two We've been off to a great old start I mean we did all the, you know, like older classic artists We've been doing a lot of the more contemporary artists The cool thing about doing contemporary artists Is that we get to actually see some of them live uh, in fact, we're actually, you know, there's some that we've already seen, some we're about to see uh, later the year that we record this, and weirdly enough, the fucking day, two days after our fucking Gorillas episode drops, Taryn winds up going to see Gorillas live at kind of a last second thing. Yeah, that was random. Which is awesome and amazing and crazy, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting But that's experience. not who we're doing this episode. No, it is not. No. We are actually tackling a completely different <laughs> not artist. not sure why that was relevant. So, uh, anyway, and so this week we are actually tackling... Uh, a group, a very fun, exciting group that have actually done uh, pop music their own way for a lot of different ways, taking a lot of different revivals and sounds, putting it all together. That's right. They're the group that the sound you can get if you go ahead and pour a lava lamp into a trumpet and stuff it with a fucking hacky sack. That's right, guys. That, that is oddly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about No Doubt. Woo! Uh, no the Harajuku no boys, if you're nasty. So, guys, listen, no doubt. Uh, wait, wait, found the, the what if we're nasty? The Harajuku boys. Oh, I no, mean, okay. obviously. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, founded in uh, Anaheim, California, uh, by not one but two Stefanis, Eric Stefani and Gwen Stefani, along with the rest of the group, uh, featuring uh, Tom Dumont, uh, the perpetually naked Adrian Young, and the guy who still thinks frosted tips are still cool in 2017, uh, Tony Canal. So, and basically, uh, they went through a lot of different lineup changes. They were a Scott group. Uh, they were a really fun, exciting ska group in the early 90s, uh, and eventually after landing a record deal with Interscope, it was kind of a big thing, but they put out a ska album at a time when grunge was popular, and so therefore it kind of tanked, forcing them to kind of do things on their own, they had to bring in other producers, Eric Stefani, didn't, the primary songwriter, didn't like that, and then all of a sudden when they ranched out on their own, they suddenly, you know, were able to get acclaim and release albums and albums and singles and singles, and they wound up just, it's a completely different thing, they wound and up they becoming... went diamond. Yeah, they fucking did, and one of the three Diamond Albums of the 90s, one of the many Diamond Albums in the 90s, and they were also a ska band that then became a pop band, kind of a reggae-ish like, inspired Dance band. Hall. Oh my god, like they like, went through so sure. many different sounds and styles, and that is why we're talking about them today on The Chartographers. So, uh, the thing is that, you know, we're going to be ranking their album from worst to best, but in order to do that, we need to gather the great people that we always have together, wonderful guests and music experts of various realms and knowledges. So first off, of course... <laughs> Knowledgeses, Ninjazleses. Uh, first off, there is uh, me, I'm Evan Saudi. You might know me as an editor over at Pop Matters. You probably know me as host of this podcast. If you know me as the host of this podcast, then you know the person sitting next to me, the co creator of this podcast, Taryn O'Reilly. Hey. How are you doing? You didn't give me a, a, a role in the Okay, band. so here's the thing. What could I have done? The Tony Canal to my like Gwen Stefani, no, I like hate Tony the to- the Tom Dumont, like none. Of, there's no like You're accessible option. I don't actually want to be any of those people. Right. I could be the Gwen Stefani, but I don't really want you to be any of those people either. Right. So okay, fair. Exactly. Fair. I, right. I I was very diplomatic when I thought about that beforehand. That's good. Uh, and the thing is, this is a fun group. But honestly, we had to bring in one of our favorite guests that we've had on here before. You actually might remember her over 
over from our Fallout Boy episode from season one. Uh, she's a DJ over at Chirp Radio. You might find her as Bree the Barefoot DJ, uh, and she has a wonderful, amazing show that K-pop fans the world over love. Uh, and that's right, guys. Our dear friend Bree Avail O'Reilly is in studio. Bree, hello. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I hope that uh, more than K-pop fans love my show. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't really want to get that moniker, but yes. <laughs> well, actually, uh, I would like to point out that uh, we're in studio right now. Uh, per wonderful tradition, I love it every time it happens. You're wearing a no doubt tour T-shirt I right sure now. Sure am. Yes. So you did see them live. I've seen them live a couple times. Oh wow! Yeah, this one I think is from the Blink One Eighty Two. Then they did the joint tour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I saw them another time because um, I had another green t-shirt that was no doubty that got no holes in it and I had to get rid of it. Um, I saw him one time at Cornell when I was in college. I remember that. Oh, wow. So I saw him a few times. Yeah. Okay. They are fun. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, how they built up their entire audience was through their live shows. You know, yeah, like right. that was yeah. how they got their start. That is how they started. You, I mean, not going to spoil too much because their early albums are not worth, you know, oh, well, there's a whole different thing. But their live shows are energetic and flailing and great. And the great thing is that Gwen Stefani, she was a woman fronting a rock band. Uh, and basically, she also had to kind of step up and like, you know, hold her own against the boys and all these different like skate festivals and like other things there and she more than held her own she developed this insane charisma on top of her very mm -hmm. distinct singing voice mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. uh, and then also she turned into a very interesting songwriter too both with the band and as a solo artist but listen we're going to talk about all we're going to rank their albums and the great thing is that this is a group that doesn't have a lot of qualifiers they got six fucking albums. Uh, there is, of course, the debut in 1992, the very Scott debut. The self-recorded, self-made, in independently released, the Beacon Street Collection from 1995. There is the big one, uh, Tragic Kingdom from 1995. Fun trivia fact that is actually a play on the phrase Magic Kingdom. Don't know if y'all know that. I, I uh, did. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> there is their 2000 return to form. I mean, it was five years between the two albums. Uh, return of Saturn. Uh, there was, of course, 2001's uh, Rock Steady. Uh, and then, of course, there was the long-awaited again uh, return to form-ish. Well, not really. Uh, push and Shove from 2012. Uh, they're very different. Uh, rude. In, <laughs> rude. Uh, different <laughs> styles and flavors of albums there. And we're going to talk about them and rank them. So, yeah, nothing else to really talk about on the qualifiers front, right? Let's get yeah, it. I mean, they, like, the only other thing they've really put out... I mean, they, they have some, like, weird compilations. But yeah, like, well, I yeah. mean, they did, as you do, they did the cover for their singles collection. Yeah. Which right. is a pretty decent song. Right. And, right. and not on any, any other album. And it was, like, 2004 or so when they did, like, the whole singles thing, because they did that, and they did the box set, the boombox set. Yeah. And then they also That's had the right, B-Sides right. Rarities album that came out around the same time, too, right. which had a lot of covers. Yeah, and they've done a lot of covers. B-Sides, yeah. But... But yeah, yeah, they don't have any other al true albums. True legitimate mm. albums. Or even so. like no EPs, no... Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is yeah. just, it's fasting. So hey, listen, it's and easier for us. Their release dates are so fucking <laughs> random. Weird. Like, two albums in 95, and then nothing for five years, and then another album the year after that, and then nothing for 11 years. It's yeah. like... Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're still rumored to be maybe someday going to release another well, one. Well, uh, you know the what? rest of the non-Gwen Stefani members, they just formed a band called Dream Car with uh, the lead singer of fucking AFI. That's true. Well, uh, what is always the rest of the non-Gwen Stefani <laughs> members and then Gwen sort of in separate, yeah. separate, separate worlds? Somehow <laughs> she became more famous. I don't know why. I can't imagine. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> but hey, listen, uh, we're going to go and rank through albums. Number one through six, worst the best. And again, as always, we will debate it. We're always open to opinions. That a good argument can change an opinion either way. I'm a really excited because like I kind of have an idea of number one I I, am, I don't know I'm just really excited to see where the journey goes but listen Taryn we have a guest in the studio right now the wonderful mm -hmm. effervescent Bria Vale O'Reilly how you doing 
Uh, great. Awesome. I'm effervescent. <laughs> I'm doing effervescently. <laughs> We're going to turn it into an adjective, a verb, all the things. I'm uh, feeling effervescent get... sensations. Oh, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Goddamn. That was the Tony Canal of words. Just oh, sad. You guys. <laughs> Sorry. We're really ripping on him a I lot. Know. Only, well, the only no. reason is because in Research Week, we actually brought up a documentary uh, that the band did. It was for like a VH1 thing. And he, every word that comes every out of his mouth, he opens he's his just mouth. an asshole. <laughs> I just feel I, like we I'm were sure doing he's important a, things. I'm yeah. sure he's a douchebag. I know that he is a douchebag. But I will say, and this is maybe for later, uh-huh. but his work with Pink, I love all those songs that he produced. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, exactly. I, mean, I think as an artist... Right. He's, yeah, he's, he's pretty fine. pretty good. It's yeah. all the outside of it's art stuff. It's when he talks. <laughs> that whole thing, right. Or when he has hair. Right. <laughs> or that. <laughs> right. So we right. got six <laughs> slots, six <laughs> albums. We're going to talk about it before we actually rank anything. So let's just toss it to you, Brie. Number six, what would you say is the worst No Doubt album? Oh, see, and I knew you this were going to is... ask me first because I'm the guest. Yeah. And I actually had a harder time with this than I thought I would. When I went back and listened to all of them... I had a hard time picking a worst album, but in the end, I, so curious. I had to. I had to say, 2012's Push and Shove. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I had, to, I had to put it last, and and I could easily be convinced that I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but in the end, I think it's just too generic and overproduced. So. Those are true statements. They're very true statements. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is too generic and overproduced, and it, and I feel like it. it Excels a couple times in spite of that. Yes. yes. Oh, absolutely. Right. Right. I, I hated it less than I remembered hating it. Yes. Right. Also so, very true, yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think Evan said it perfectly, is that you're listening to these songs and you're going like, this is pretty solid. Like, it's got, like, the solid drumming that we've come to expect nice from them. Look. Like, Gwen is delivering her shtick. Like yeah. and, But somehow, for some reason, there's just, like, this too professional sheen over it's it. It's like vacuum seal. Well, and yeah. and a lot of them felt like it was a good song for about two minutes and then it went on for five. Like four, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. Because like, this is their big comeback album they did. And the thing is, I'll give the band credit. Every, aside from the first two albums, which are kind of the same ilk, every album they did afterwards has a little bit different flavors and vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Tragic Kingdom is still kind of a ska album, but they discover what it means to be a rock band. Uh, Return of Saturn has a bit more alternative. Rock Steady is the... It's a bit deep, darker. Yeah, yeah. yeah rock yeah. Steady is the big push towards dance hall and, like, we can be a pop band, too. And Push yeah. and Shove, it's kind of almost like a... Almost a trendy album, like, you know, 80s style, synthy-ish kind of. It sounds a lot like 2012. Yeah. Like, a whole lot. It, it does. And I will say, um, Gravity? hmm I was listening to it going, this is, is this like a Lady Antebellum song? Like, I, I don't know if they were even a band in 2012, but it just felt like they were. it yeah. was, <laughs> whatever. But it, it didn't quite, it wasn't a bad song. But right. it wasn't it a no doubt song. Right. Right? It's like generic interchangeable. Yeah. Right, song. exactly. And I, that's I feel like that yeah, that happens a couple times on here. Or like Undone is just like a really boring ballad. Or like Dreaming the Same Dream sounds like fucking ABBA. Like <laughs> yeah. it's so yeah. cloying. Yeah. And then and then you get to like push and shove the song that's featuring Mazer Laser Mazer Wow. <laughs> Major Laser uh-huh. on production, and the verses are like really solid. And then I don't know what the fuck is happening on, on that chorus. Yeah. yeah, like, and that's another one where it's like, why is this song five minutes long? Yeah, right. why? Genuinely. Yeah, it like that song could be enjoyable if it was like 
just clocking in barely over three minutes. Right. Yeah. Stand and deliver a fun, like goofy song. Uh huh. Um, it's towards the end. Maybe it's only on the, the oh, lot deluxe yeah. version. Listening to it like it was on the album, I totally missed that. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, and deliver. Yeah. it's fun, and then she starts just saying gibberish sounds. Yeah. And I'm like, Wait a minute, oh, what that, that, that actually happens a couple times through her career. No, that's my favorite thing. Well, yes, yes, yes. But I was like, so towards the end of Push and Shove, it sort of um, gets into, you know, Sparkle, even Heaven. They sort of sound like vintage. Fucking no Heaven. Doubt. I'm sorry. Heaven is great. Yeah. That but is, right, yeah. But so I'm getting to the end of the time. I'm like, oh, you know what? Actually, it's not so bad. And then the fucking that happens. I'm like, no, this is trash. I can't love this album. I can't with any part of yeah, me yeah. love this as an album at all. Yeah. And I will say that Settle Down, the lead single and opening track, is like, it's a pretty, pretty solid, solid no yeah. pop song. song. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't the love the chorus, the but like, every other aspect of it uh-huh. is like, exactly what you want from them. I still think it is too, if they had just turned down the mastering a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I really, you want, no doubt, to be a little rough. Mm-hmm. Yes. You want to be mm-hmm. able to clearly, right. distinctly hear each of the individual musicians playing their parts because even as much shit as we're giving them adrian tony and tom are all really fucking good they're musicians. really fucking yeah. good musicians like yeah and i will say i haven't seen them since 2009 yeah. i think mm-hmm. but i bet if i saw them live today i would love those songs live mixed in with everything else i right. bet they're really fun live because they'd have that rough edge yeah 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 totally well and see that's the other thing too where i feel like because I, you know, this week as part of Research Week, you know, it kind of just, as an exercise, I went and explored all other stuff, the Gwen Stefani solo stuff, and the guys' new group, Dream Car, hit, debuted at number 110 on the album charts, so, <laughs> you know, good. But the thing is, they're a little, like, synth pop, and, like, I listened to it, and, like, the songs were, like, fine, but bland, like, more bland than Push and Shove was bland, like, kind of thing. And it's weird because even Gwen Stefani, like, when she's not covering another song for one of her solo songs, her stuff is very hit or miss when she does the whole mm-hmm. solo album thing, too. There's there's something about the chemistry of them together that is unique and distinct. And I think genuinely all of them, all of these four creative minds, work together as a band, as a mm-hmm. unit. So therefore, like, even, like, Push and Shove, honestly, like, I think it gets a lot of hate. It's it's not a great album. I don't think anyone's going to say it. But honestly, to be 100% honest, I would actually put another album below that. And that would be... The Beacon Street Collection. And I went back and forth. Yes. I did. And uh, it was a push and shove kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but mm. the, thing, the, biggest, the Beacon Street Collection, after No Doubt... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she really ran that one in. Because uh, after No Doubt, this, the album came out again. It came out... Uh, Sky album came out during the grunge era. It did not do well. It sold like 30,000 copies. Like barely anything. Interscope was like, we signed this group? Whatever. So like, they're like, yeah, hey, well, we want to record our second album. Also, in retrospect, though, they did a fucking shit job of promoting <laughs> it. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's like, yeah. They, they heard the material and they were like, well, this isn't grunge, so let's give them $5,000 for the one music video we're going to let them do and not even release it for sale in all of the cities we're booking them to tour. Yep. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's garbage. Right. Like, but they, yeah. yeah, they didn't care. So the thing is that, like, when they kept talking, like, hey, we want to record a second album, they had to really convince them. So what they did, there was a second house they had in Anaheim uh, that they just turned into a fucking studio. They hung out there, recorded, and so the Beat Street Collection, they produced it themselves and they put it out themselves. And the thing is that because it was home recorded, it had a little bit more grittiness like it 
very much carries on the same vein of what the debut album was doing in turn because mm-hmm. it's very much it's a Scott Pop album. It's mm-hmm. a very you know like they're just very energetic, fun. It kind of blends together. If you did like every other song, you would think it's like the same continuous album loop. Like it's you know pretty interchangeable. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time. Uh, the thing is that, like, there's moments, there's some terrible moments on the debut album, but there's some moments I really, really like on the debut album. Yeah. Uh, the one, uh, the Beacon Street Collection, I, I told, because Taryn and I had this conversation earlier this week, I'm like, here's the problem, every album of theirs has a stunner on it. He's like, okay, what's the stunner off of Beacon Street Collection? And I was like, um, uh, and then, of course, the answer, of course, is Open the Gate. You know, the, the, the first song on there. That's like... Total Hate 95! Oh, <laughs> oh, what? Shut the hell <laughs> up. Wow. Total Hate! <laughs> Not a good song at all, but it has a personal like I it has a that personal breakdown with Brandon yeah, Wall from I mean, I just, fucking it's Sublime. Bad, but like it, all in a good way. It's bad, bad like, the things that you're looking for. It's guys. like before I'd ever heard the whole album, that was a song that I knew from that album for really? whatever reason. Well, I don't know. Why. It's not a mix. I feel or like something. it's the Sublime so song. It, so it, yeah, yeah, the guy from so Sublime it, it song. So it has a place in my heart. Is the thing good yeah. or bad? And so that's like my favorite song. But God, I, I, I actually like over the course of this week, "Open the Gate" became one of my favorite, no doubt songs. Actually, like it's you it's know, rough it's and this, tumble. You know, yeah. it's 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 rough, and but then the way that she's fucking wailing yeah. on those yeah. hurries, like yeah. it is visceral, and yeah. it has like a pretty solid riff. It's driving. Like yeah. I found myself coming back to that one more than I expected. But yeah, there's nothing else. On this album, yeah. Snakes. really works. I yeah. like. I enjoy Snakes. Stricken, sure. and I think that. <laughs> oh, and Squeal is kind of fun. I mean, I listened yeah. to it like two days ago, and already I'm reading the song titles and can't remember what any of them sound. Yeah, it yeah. it blurs together. It blurs together. Yeah. But badly. for me, uh-huh. that was why I put it slightly above Push and Shove because even though. I can't remember any of the songs necessarily as an album. At least it felt like vintage, no doubt. And for that, it get it got for me. But I totally also was like, but it's kind of terrible. Well, you also. know what I think's gonna happen. <laughs> I think if Terrence got to be the yeah, tiebreaker, yeah, it's gonna happen. You gotta be the tiebreaker. <laughs> oh yeah, I I would put Beacon Street at at six and Push and Shove at five, like just barely. Yeah, it's just it's really yeah. just because there are a couple solid pop songs on Push yeah. and Shove, and I I think that's missing on on Beacon Street. Yeah, totally, th- totally right. valid. And I think that's totally fair. So in that case, let's go ahead, let's lock it in. These are two albums I don't really care either way about. I mean, yeah. I always give them a little bit of edge to Push and Shove, like, ah, there's the chance it could be better. It's like when I saw fucking Suicide Squad. This is the Suicide Squad of albums where it's like, it's a bad, terrible movie, but you see the production design, and you see, like, all these albums, like, oh, you actually could have been good and it just and that's almost why it's almost more disappointing I'm fine with this total I'm fine with this rating but for me that's why it's worse because you want it would have been 11 years since we heard anything from them like Beacon Street they did it on our own they didn't know what they were doing you can't expect a lot from it push and shove yeah. Could have been great, and it. Uh, but it still wasn't. has moments of great. But it does at least have moments. Exactly. So, yeah. So, yeah. I'm cool there. All right. I'm well, cool. in that case, I think it's going to be a real tough decision on this one here. But Taryn, what would you nominate for number four? On I mean, list? I, I have to say, self-titled. I yeah. It's I mean, it's it's. I want to talk about. It, there's though. there is some good shit on here. I mean, trapped in a box is classic. Classic. And it's, and it's like. I love how just fully unhinged Gwen is on that. Yeah. Um, She's but I also, on a lot of these songs. Here, right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think that's a big part of that is Eric's influence. He was the primary songwriter on these first two albums. Mm-hmm. And, kind of the third, and, too, surprisingly. 
the, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he he writes very sort of complex, odd melodic structures. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not pop music. Like right. it gets a little grating sometimes. But then, like also on here, when you get to fucking a little something refreshing <laughs> like, yeah. all the food. like why do we need a song with burping in it or like <laughs> because uh, 90s Scott it's right. the That's weird what? owl of albums or like, or like <laughs> I forget which song it is Oh, it's an ache when she's singing about getting her wisdom teeth removed. Yeah. yeah. And, and that hairy man, that hairy, hairy man. There's literally yeah. a slide whistle. Like a woo! Like yeah. a... Once again, early 90s ska. <laughs> I know, that yeah. Was, that was the deal. And then also... I, I had I, friends in a ska I have another one 90s. I want to throw out there. I'm sure the response is going to be early 90s ska, but Paulina... A creepy little fucking song oh, about stalking a girl. Much like Total Hate '95, it's not necessarily a great song, but it's just it's so fun. I'm waiting by the phone, Polly. Yeah, I you know, and I have to find when I went back and listened to it, it didn't sound the way that I remembered it. So I feel like I must be familiar with some other version that was released yeah, later, although like I don't a demo know what or something. But just the, just the mixing of it, the mastering of it. Well, I because like, I know they did a re-release like? after Tragic Kingdom success. Mm-hmm. They have the first two albums. I thought it was just a Beacon Street. I th- no, I think it was the, the first two. I was right, reading maybe. that up today. Yeah. Uh, and they, and anyway. because these little albums that sold nothing, they wound up selling two hundred fifty thousand afterwards, which is fine. You know, it, no, well, and the lyrics of Pauline are creepy as shit, but. Yeah. Two things. One, we had a friend named Paul who we called Paulina affectionately. Yes. And uh, so that song was, you know, that was we sang it to him. Uh-huh. So right. much like Total Hate '95, I can't defend it as a great song, but right. for me, I love Personal it. Personal enjoyment. Personal. There was one song that was genuinely surprising for me, though. It's less than two minutes, uh, but sad for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, it's this little, like, dinky piano ballad, and, like, all the keys are now totally outdated sounding. Yeah, but, but the structure, the melody. Yeah, and, well, and it's a really complex piano part. Yeah. Again, we're talking about, like, solid musicianship. Like, yeah. Eric yeah. was also a very good keyboardist. So, yeah. um, I don't think anyone else plays on this one. Yeah, it's just um, him and Gwen. But the piano part is complicated enough that at one point, especially with the, like, synth overline, yeah, I was yeah. like... This song almost wishes that it was in a harpsichord pad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know. And uh, yeah, it's it's great because it's also just this nice little fresh break from all the other songs in there. Because like, don't get me wrong. Their ska songs, even though we're kind of like writing them off as like, you know, kind of, you know, blur together a little bit. They're still really fun and energetic. Um, Can we talk about Get on the Ball for a second? (laughs) I fucking love that song. Like, again... As a Scott album, I think it could maybe be a little more solid. It is 14 tracks, so yes. typically that means there's going to be some bloat. But, some like, yeah. it's there's when they hit it right, even in this early stuff, they hit it hard. I'll tell you, I had Let's Get Back in my head a few weeks and was surprised that it was on the first album just because in my head... It was like more of a Beacon Street, it's, like they progressed music, or or even well, like later. I can remember it's part. actually like a pretty like it's a good song and like deep. Yeah, yeah, there's a big horn part. It's deeper than I think a lot of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more complex in general. More complex. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, sometimes it's a total Led Zeppelin ripoff. <laughs> she sounds great doing it. It is by the numbers Zeppelin shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Evan, who knows everything. How old was Gwen when they recorded this? Do you know? God. Uh, I mean, I think, because you got to keep in mind, this came out in 90 fucking 2, and she hasn't hit 50 yet. I think she's 47 now. Yeah. So, in what 2017, we recorded this, so... 
Yeah. So she was 20, like 20, 22. Yeah. That okay. sounds about well, that's, right. I mean, that's a little bit older even than I thought, maybe. Yeah. Well, because they started they probably, in, yeah. like... I mean, they started yeah, when she was definitely Some of these songs started in 1987. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. that's, like, the weird thing is that they actually... Because they, when this album came out, uh, these were, like, songs that were some recorded just for the album and a lot of other stuff. But Beacon Street Collection was pretty much all the other shit they weren't mm-hmm. recording for Tragic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, like, and that's why Beacon Street... I mean, in retrospect, that makes a little bit more sense why Beacon Street Collection is a little bit bleh. Yeah, no, it's all B-sides and yeah. rejected. It, it's weird, right. though. It still yeah. sold a lot more than... But because Tragic Kingdom was such a massive hit that their back catalog... I don't think well, it sold as... It, originally, I was actually reading today that when Beacon Street came out, it sold like a hundred thousand copies, and that's part of why they got the go ahead and the budget to do Tragic Kingdom. Really, see, because what I read was that it sold a hundred thousand copies, but not when it first came out. It was after Tragic Kingdom came out, and everyone wanted to learn about their back catalog. Because they're in the same year, so it was yeah, not... Yeah, but also so Interscope was not In the first them... couple months, it wasn't a lot, but once Tragic Kingdom came out, it, it ballooned. That, but, yeah, I mean, it's one In any other. case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That, I mean, unless there's anything else there, I'm pretty comfortable with putting that at number four. Oh, also, Brand New Day, the last oh, yeah! song. The last oh, song. Yeah. Super fun. <laughs> it's a total ripoff of Can You Feel the Brand New Day from The Wiz. It's huh. the same chord structure... The horn part is almost the same. I, well, and like, we can talk is, about yeah. Gwen's habit of appropriation. Yeah. I mean, her entire <laughs> first <laughs> album was just other songs with new lyrics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> karaoke um, with Gwen Stefani. I will. I'm fine with this as four, but, but honestly, my three one, <gasps> I almost dropped lower, and we can talk about it. Yeah, let's go. No, ahead. Yeah, no, so yeah. I, I, I'm fine with this as four. That's where I ended up making it. But when I listen to Return of Saturn again. I have to tell you, the hits are fabulous, mm-hmm. but the rest of it, oh my god! I there's no horns; they're all down tempo. She's just whining. They're all the same. I just, I can't, I couldn't do it. Return of Saturn is very frustrating because it is half of a perfect album. Yeah, it is eight. I mean, except for what was the one I didn't like? Oh, Six Feet Under is like, yeah. eh. but. The first eight songs yeah. are fucking phenomenal. Yes. Like, hit after hit after hit. Even, like, the album tracks that weren't huge. Like, Magic's in the Makeup yep. is fucking gorgeous. Yes. And you get to, like, Marry Me is this, like, creepy, yeah. like, down-tempo thing that I... It's not the best, but I enjoy it. And it's right before fucking New happens. New. Yeah. yeah. But Don't then after, after New is track eight. And yeah, New is, like, again... Probably, like, top five No Doubt songs it's ever. It's a fabulous yeah. song. Incredible. From the Ghost soundtrack. The other six songs on here, it's all filler. Like, they completely so, front-loaded this and, album. And, and it's such bad... Like, and that was the thing, is I was jamming on Return of Saturn because, oh yeah, Ex-Girlfriend, Simple Kind of Life, Bathwater, Magic in the make- Makeup. Like, I love all those songs. And then I got to Too Late... And then Comforting Lie, and then Suspension Without Suspense. And I'm like, is this the same song? Like, what is even happening here? And, and you know, I'm listening to the whole album because podcast, but I'm like, is this over? I can't. Are we done yet? It really drags. It really drags. I gotta be honest. 
I'm a little bit of a fan of Staring Problem, this goofy-ass little fucking, you know, like, throwaway that they have on there. Sure. Very B-52's-esque. Yeah, and yeah. that feels more like the goofy band that made... From the also, I mean, yeah. it feels a little bit forced, not, not gonna lie. Like, it's yeah. kind of forced fun. But also, I feel like they kind of knew this was a little bit more of a dour album, too. Which is why, also, like, Bathwater feels... I don't know what it is about Bathwater. Like, I know it's a single... It feels kind of insincere. I don't know how to, like, articulate it. Of, like, they're kind of, like, a, doing a ska song, but it's almost like a just give them a ska song kind of thing. They well, were clearly fascinated with doing he, alternative rock at the, the time. The reason I think that it feels... It rings a little insincere to me is that it's a melody that they did not come up with. Again, we're talking about Gwen appropriating other songs... I can't tell you exactly what other song it is. Not the riff. No, the 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 chorus. Right. Sounds like a fucking Folia do Fallout Boy song. Well, kind of does actually. But it also just sound. It sounds like I don't know, like a song from the fifties. It sounds like a classic melody that's been done by. Because as we know, Gwen Stefani is five seconds away from becoming Betty Boop at any given second. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's definitely not my favorite track on here, but it's it's bookended by Simple Kind of Life and then... Okay, but if we're going to talk about this album, and, you know, like, again, I think it's like almost no competition in terms of, you know, what our number four one is there. But, like, the highlights on here are just so unspeakably good because the thing that hooked me i remember you know back in the day music video channel the box used to get like call and get 99 cent music videos uhf this channel. is not a thing that we did yeah exactly what are you even saying but uh the thing Lil is Lil wayne knows what he's talking about exactly okay. Lil wayne loves the box come on did you know Lil wayne does love the box but i don't know that he's talking about the video channel okay but the thing is that <laughs> okay, boys. Yeah, because I remember like the, like the music videos would come on, people could order them. <laughs> oh, oh, I love you, brother. That just, remind, just reminds me of the old Nardwar interview he did. <laughs> Lil Wayne, what's your favorite food? Pussy. But the other thing is, uh, like with this one, ex girlfriend came out, and that was the lead single. And I was kind of like, it was a very colorful video and everything. And I'm just like, I wasn't this big a like fan of it. It was a lot more rocky, and because I feel like after, especially when you keep, keep in mind Tragic Kingdom, that tour went on for fucking ever. For fucking Ooh, ever. Yeah, like I mean, that is like a solid. It's like a full three years. Yeah, yeah, if not more. Like they played dates and played the venues again multiple times because they kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and so which made sense to like let's keep getting that money but i feel like they were just tired and sick of it so they want to do something darker and different and let's get rid of the horns for the most part uh and ex-girlfriend was very much kind of an aggro in your face thing new was a great lead-in as a thing and also tying all their podcasts together new was fucking produced by jerry harrison from fucking uh talking heads and tom tom club which i couldn't fucking believe so it was huh, like I did not know that. weird little that's side not thing. super shocking to me because uh, now i can't remember which one it is I think it might be Open the Gate. Open the Gate has a very, that sort of talking heads oh, guitar sure. strum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That like, it's like they're barely touching the strings and it's very staccato and open. And and in general, I hear a bit of, in on the first albums, I definitely hear that talking heads influence. Like a couple times when they're like multi-tracking spoken vocals mm-hmm. at, mm-hmm. in different tones. And I'm like, oh, this is very David Byrne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it makes sense that, after they had success, 
and the name that you just said, <laughs> Jerry, um, Harrison. Jerry Harrison, <laughs> like if he went back and listened to their first albums, he was like, oh, these are people who love us. Yeah. Like, let's reach let's, out. Let's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's work Because also it. this is around the time Gwen Stefani was appearing on a couple different, like, you know, like, guest spots. Guest she spots, she yeah. showed yeah. up on Moby's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, single Southside. And me Eve. blow your mind. Well, you can talk about the Happy Hour Minisode. And also... The best song that Gwen Stefani ever did. Yeah. But actually, and also, she also showed up on the fucking Brian Setzer album, Jump, Drive, and Whale. Yeah. That's a song, too. Which I thought was actually kind of cool, because, like, you know, listen, Scott had a revival, and now Swing has a revival, so she kind of, like, threw a little hat towards the ring for them. Like, that's pretty awesome but yeah she girl had pulls so they could pull in these people but yeah like simple kind of life was the song that got me to buy the album in the first place because really? it was yeah. yeah because like that was huh. the song that like you know it was the first song and only song she's ever written on her guitar by herself apparently sure. uh but also like it's just so like lush and like emotional in a weird in a weird place that some of her other things are yeah i feel like it's one of the most vulnerable things she's ever written right because like, like she doesn't yeah. do that very much. The big, the so big pause so and genuine. break when she says, like, you'll be a good dad. I'm like, I don't know if I love that lyric, but, like, the sentiment is just something well, that... Well, that whole yeah. verse, like, mm-hmm. I always thought I'd be a mom. Sometimes yeah. I wish for a mistake. Like, yeah. it's so... It's heart-wrenching. Yeah. yeah. And and they put it out as a fucking single. Wasn't she pregnant, though? Uh, I guess when the album came out, she was. Yeah. But not maybe not when she wrote the song. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I think, because, right, she wrote the song, like, as she was meeting Gavin. Okay. And then by the time the album came out, it was, like, they were really a thing. Yeah. Right. So. Because um, New is also about him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This feeling has got to stay. Uh, but ultimately, though, and the thing is, so the, I understand that impulse towards Return of Saturn. I think we've talked about a lot of it there. Personally, personally, and I know there's going to be some disagreement here. My nomination for the number three slot, but only like by like a hair. You just like silently locked in number four. Oh, I'm Can sorry. We just say for the listeners, yeah, we're gonna lock in, in number four, no, self-titled, self-titled at number four. Thank that's, you. That's that's yes. fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We're anyway, all, yeah. moving on. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. Uh, I just wanted to point out it had a vote for number three before we moved on, but I'm fine with it at four. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So my your personal thing by a hair, mind you. Would actually, controversially, I'm sure, and I don't care, would actually be Rocksteady at number three. And let's just dive into a little bit of what's going on there. Because here, like, I feel like the response to... Re- I know, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, no, I... hands on shoulders in this room. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, because the thing is... There was res- one. There was yeah. one hand on his shoulder. <laughs> uh, I got like three gesture. times earlier. Though. It's yeah. true. It's a thing. Yeah, but it's still <laughs> happening. Uh, so, <laughs> Return of Saturn, like, it did not do nearly... I don't know what they were expecting when they changed their sound that much. Because, like, people technically don't want a Tragic Kingdom 2, but, like, they want a band to, like, be new and different. But it was a little bit too new and too different for a lot of people. Especially, also, again, five, five years, years later. Yeah. yeah. So as such, like, while uh, Tragic Kingdom went diamond, uh, Return of Saturn went platinum. Which is, you know, like, wah, still, wah, you still wah, a million wah. copies of an album. <laughs> Poor million years. But, like, at the same time, like, they clearly knew something they had to do, but they were, like, backstage during this tour, they were also, like, bringing out DJ Boost, and they were really fucking getting into dance all at the time, mm-hmm. too. To the point where they're, like, and it's the, I love it, it's that revelation that a lot of bands have at some point. Like, I remember talking to Damien Coolidge for OK Go. They had it at one point where it's just, like, what if we just did an album where we didn't, like, use guitars as the primary instrument? Like, we're a band, but we have skills beyond just guitar and drum and bass, right? And the band really pushed hard into this. Uh, And so, therefore, like, Rocksteady, I would say, is probably their first true pop album. 
Because it is like, it, I mean, the thing is, like, I feel like they've done, like, pop rock stuff before, or, like, ska mesh kind of things. This is, like, a pop album, like, outright. They're writing, like, it's pure... Like, it's all sense. Yeah, it's, like... But it's also a, a pretty heavy... I mean, they recorded the whole thing in Jamaica. It's a pretty heavy dancehall album, so traditional... American pop, it's still yeah. Not. Except, and here's the here's the here's the sticky rub with Rocksteady. Because let's be honest, sticky, you know, like Rocksteady kind of in many ways revitalized their career in a lot of people's minds. They had giant hits. They won Grammys for the first time in a long time. Like it was a big deal. But also, like if people remember these singles, they remember "Hey Baby." They remember especially a song that I didn't really get turned on to a lot, but especially during this week, I kind of was really felt a little bit more under the spell of "Underneath It All." That fucking horn line on the chorus. I'm telling you, and that's great. And there's a Prince song on. Here. Here. like it's fucking awesome and then those filler songs on here because there are filler songs and my argument here especially in terms of rocksteady is that the filler songs here are surprisingly genuinely no different than the filler on push and shove like that's kind of like where i'm pushing it towards but let's talk about the highlights let's the talk filler about all on push and shove yeah Okay. All right. Let's yeah. let's let's get <laughs> into it. Let's let's get into it. All right. Yeah. Let's get into it. So yeah. Uh. Yeah. So where would I mean? Taryn actually, he was telling me an interesting story though because we all I think it's weird. Like I came in, Return of Saturn was my first No Doubt album, and you were mentioning how I guess kind of Return of Saturn was because you got into No Doubt a little bit after. Tragic oh, but Kingdom. I love Tragic Kingdom. Yeah. I, like, I loved it late, but as we mentioned, it was five years in between, so I still was thoroughly into Tragic Kingdom before Return of Saturn came out. Right. So yeah, so that was kind of kind of your entry point. This is my entry point. Rocksteady was Taryn's entry point. I specifically remember when you bought Rocksteady and like put it in the car for the first time and like put it on and I was hearing Hella Good and Hey Baby. Yeah. Like, for the first time, I think we were driving home from Chicago. Sure. Like, Sounds right. You know, like I have <laughs> such a vivid memory of this. Yeah. So, like, we haven't that... mentioned it this episode. He's my brother and we grew up in the suburbs. I don't know if you've ever mentioned that we grew up in the suburbs. So driving home from Chicago was a thing that we did. And mm-hmm. listeners want to know more Taryn O'Reilly facts. So I, just I think they do. Them. I'm exactly. just saying that. Continue. Yeah. Anyway, so that's like, Rocksteady was definitely my entry point and like that's I mean, we also, like, I think put on the Greatest Hits record a lot at our house. So, like... Sure. I know... I recognize all of the songs from that pretty intently. But, like, Rocksteady is what I think of when I think of No No Doubt. Doubt. Like, as a first Sure. Okay. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I love all of the filler album tracks on this. Like... I do too. Detective is, like is bad, but I love it. <laughs> it's so right. fun! It's so much fun! And I was thinking when I was listening to, actually, going back to Undercover on Push and Show, I was like, I'd rather listen to Detective. Right, yeah. Honestly. They have a lot of yeah, songs about spies and kind of lurking around. You know, it's kind of interesting, yeah. yeah. When she's had some love affairs in her life. Let's yeah. say that. I know. <laughs> oh, but continues like, to. Oh, but well, yeah. fucking start the fire, though, my God. But no, th- but that's no, fun! It's, it's, I, I like start the fire. Yeah, I do too. I was humming it on the way here, actually. Surprisingly, I mean, I was someone. For, and for songs, me, but... the, the worst part about that song is like the like the last like ninety seconds out there when it had the little like the little horn no, thing that's in the like background. The best part. Really? What? Really? Oh yeah. my god! I, like I was also. I love running. I think it's I beautiful. Yeah, and and for me. You, I think you kind of maybe a little bit shat on underneath it all earlier, uh, maybe. No, 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 he was saying he was surprised how much he liked surprised it. Surprised how much he liked it. Yeah. Okay. For me, I was like, 2001? I met my wife in 2001. Like, that was a song of ours. So, mm-hmm. like, that's underneath a, it all. That's yeah. a thing, yeah. you know. 
I think that's a great, I, I that's mean, a great song. That's underneath it all is my favorite song on this record. Yeah. Definitely. And well, it's weird though because, and I think maybe like your guys' entry point might be a little bit different because for whatever reason, and this is my flat out thing and I don't have any apologies for it, Hey Baby never connected with me as a song. It's I, pretty asinine. Yeah. I've realized that over it the is. course of And also, Hella Good is a terrible phrase and I hate Gwen Stefani forever for making a song called that. But as a song, okay. So I it's remember, I remember there were there were two. I remember watching the <laughs> SNL uh, when they were just like the album was right about to come out, and Hey Baby was everywhere. I was fucking annoyed by it. Yeah. Uh, and the thing, the thing I was watching SNL, they do the first song, it's Hey Baby. All right, cool, whatever. Album's not out yet. The second song they do is Hella Good. And I remember like, what the fuck was that? What just hit me? I'm like, well, they had this song in them. There like a kick-ass guitar solo in that song too. Like, it's probably yeah. It's kind of like dark, little sinister little dance beat here. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was just like fast. It's crunchy. Yeah, You know, like and it had some bite, and it was like I feel like almost every like all the times they try and be angsty and arty and like Return of Saturn, and now I still really enjoy, mind you. Like I feel like Hella Good is like the perfect definition. Right. Well, because Hella Good is kind of like a a great extension of that because it is that same it's the tone yeah but they managed to turn it into something fun it's yeah. like yeah. dark and fun yeah. at the same time yeah yeah. yeah yeah and so that was like that's what made me buy the album I'm like oh shit that shit's going on so yeah and then therefore like there's still parts I really really fucking like didn't you say you like making out a lot um, I do making out <laughs> Making Out <laughs> is, like, my second favorite after Underneath It All. Okay. I I mean, the, like, spoken word verses yeah. are, like, kind of... But, like, tons of pop artists do that. Yes. That's that's part of almost what makes this feel, like, the most pop to me is because she has that, like, I'm walking down the street, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, all of the different, like, dueling synth parts on this song. Like, yeah. I mean... The hook, of course, the uh, and I'm just kicking and I'm counting the days. Aha, uh-huh, they can wait. Anyway, like that's brilliant. But my favorite part of the song is after the second chorus, where the I'm sure like all three of the other musicians were playing synth pads live because it's like there's so many layered parts and different moving, yeah, and it all fits together perfectly. And then it all just drops out and it's like, Ooh, you see. Soon we'll be making out. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's like, yeah. it's super campy in like the perfect way. It's exactly mm-hmm. what you mm-hmm. want a pop song to be doing. I wish it had been a single. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. And but and at the same time, I also feel like I was, because I was, you know, a lot younger at the time, Platinum Blonde Life. I wouldn't call it a great song. It's really fun, catchy. Uh, but also the other one, like Waiting Room, their fucking Prince collaboration. Yeah. So, obviously, <laughs> I was not into Prince when this album came out. Yeah. But I am now. Uh-huh. So, like, <laughs> listening to Waiting Room this week, I was just like, holy fucking shit. Like, I did not really remember that song yeah, very I didn't much. Either. Oh, it is so good. Like, all of the, like, Prince... Like, those layered harmony vocals. And it's... And again, this is... This is a song where it's, like... Prince brought this perfect level of, like, darkness to what ends up being a pretty fun song. And I can dance to it, but that's a low, like... That chorus almost... It almost becomes, like, 
Janet-y. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, yeah. like, it's got a bit of that 90s R&B yep. sheen yeah. to yep. it. And, yep. and so, like, I just love Waiting Room because it's so many different styles just jammed together, which is kind of, like... That's what no doubt that's is. That's what no yeah. doubt is. Absolutely. That is, that is, is actually is yeah. pulling that is true. a ton of disparate influences and just making them work. And that's what they do on these three peak era albums so perfectly over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And I will say, Evan, I know that you are sort of the, you want Rocksteady below Return of Saturn in your like, rankings. I mean, a little bit. And yeah. I will say, in your defense, when Rocksteady came out, I rolled my eyes at it. Because I was like, uh, what is this? You know, hella good. Hey, baby. They were both cheesy as shit. Yeah. They didn't sound like No Doubt. They sounded like something else. I'm like, what are they doing now? You know, but it has grown on me so much. And now I it, I love it way more than Return of Seven. So that's, but I can see where you might fuck them. I just, I think, I feel like the filler tracks on Rocksteady are just more considered. Yes. Like, yes, they are still a little fillery. I'll give you that. But they they took... I like that I like song. it in my head. Also, as an album, they were sprinkled in more instead of shoved all at the bottom. Yes. 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 That, so we're talking about, like, talking about album. an enjoyable album experience. Rocksteady, you can handle a, a weaker song mm-hmm. or two at a time instead of six in a row. Well, yes. I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm not blind. So, therefore, I know when I've lost an argument. So, but here's the biggest thing about after we lock in Return of Saturn in number three. The real question of what it comes down to is, I mean, I threw it out there and there was a very emphatic defense. So the real question is, when it comes down to it, and I think some people probably already knew it was coming. Rocksteady versus Tragic Kingdom battling it out. Oh, Tragic Kingdom number- hands down. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, do you disagree? I no, I don't. I don't disagree. Let's talk about it first. Yeah. I mean, Rock City definitely has like a larger place in my heart, mm-hmm. but it's unquestionable that Tragic Kingdom is a better album. Yeah, like, and yeah. I would still say Tragic Kingdom isn't a perfect album. I would still say that. Oh, oh no, yeah, no, they have no one saying that. They have yeah. no perfect albums. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I even though Rocksteady is my favorite album. My favorite songs are on Tragic Kingdom. Like, my two favorite No Doubt songs are Sunday Morning and Spiderwebs. Hmm. Like... Oh. Okay. Oh? Oh? These yeah. Are oh no, I mean, I, I love both of those songs, but I love surprised. literally the whole album. I mean, yeah. you could have named any songs, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I love yeah, those yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, Sunday Morning... It just like it, so it slowly rolls in yes. with that drum roll, and that's when yes. like I I the, there are multiple times throughout their career where Adrian surprisingly sets the yeah. tone mm-hmm. for the song, mm-hmm. whether it's like not Shuffle. steel drum drum, but you know what I mean that like very reggae dance hall like yeah sound, or like yeah, or on Sunday morning he like slowly. Just drum rolls it in and like the bass kind kind of fades in. And then like they just perfectly layer and then it's just like horns, 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 horns. Like it's it's exactly it's the perfect way to get you hype. 
Well, one of my favorite ones on here by a nautical mile is actually Excuse Me, Mister, the second yeah. song right after Spider-Man. Because the thing is, like, it starts out like, it's a fun little, like, dee 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 like, guitar riff. But then it fucking turns to kind of this ramble piano, like, back alley, kind of like saloon kind yeah. of like, partway yeah. through. The drumming really comes through. It's a little bit more stuttery. Like, it's just like, there's surprises on here. Especially following Spider-Webs as an opener is great. And then it leads right into uh, Just a Girl, the pop song. Uh, and the song that I think, like, it's still... Here's the thing. Just a Girl, we all know it. It's, you know, one... It's uh, We need to say no doubt to people that might be the first song that they say, for the most part. Generally, mm -hmm. I don't know. Sometimes. I mean, I think I, it's well, Don't Speak. Yeah. I think it's Don't Speak. Don't or Spiderwebs, actually. Is don't, pretty big. Well, Spiderwebs is the name of a Dawson's Creek album. I mean, or uh, episode. episode. Yeah. That, That's how oh, big that, it was. That no doubt was on. <laughs> Listen, um, I read Wikipedia, too. Um... <laughs> 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 Guys, we're at Dawson's Creek levels of fame here. I want you to know um, that. No, but yeah, Don't Speak was... A, it was ridiculously huge. It was a global smash. Yeah. In a time where global smashes were not as common as they are now. Yeah. Like, that song went number one fucking everywhere. Yeah. Except the United States. Yeah, well, only because it wasn't counted on the Billboard Hot 100 for some stupid reason. blows my fucking mind. It still mind. went number one on the radio airplay charts. Right, which exactly. Is like, which is okay, like, so, so if it's the most played song in America, why the hell isn't it number one on the Billboard charts? It didn't charts? Bell enough thingle. They didn't put out in a thingle that you could buy the Thor. I'm imagining. Wow. That was, that was Billboard voice right there. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But and the thing is that, like, because, like, just a girl take it, for example, because we all remember that do-do-do-do-do-do-do, but it's really, like... That opening guitar riff, it's that little wasp down there, wow, wow, you know, like mm -hmm, on there, like mm -hmm. it's distinct, it's unique, it's different, you know, those mm -hmm. little flavors. Fun fact about Just a Girl, mm -hmm. fun to me, uh, you guys can decide, um, it is my favorite karaoke song uh -huh. because people are always surprised. <laughs> oh, that it's Because it's like ironic, mm -hmm. I guess, but also because they're like, holy shit, you can sing. <laughs> like when I'm with a group of people and they're like, "We're doing karaoke." I'm like, "Okay, I'll do karaoke." And then they're like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, right. So that's that's like my go-to karaoke song. So it will. I wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite song, but it's uh, yeah. you know, once again, special place. But that being said, and the thing is, like you know. Treasure Kingdom is a rollicking fun album, and I think this really nice amalgam, it's a really nice amalgam of between their ska side and their emerging pop personality. Like, it blend, it has a nice blend of those two. There's still some lesser moments on here, to be fair. Oh my god, the title track is fucking garbage. <laughs> That's why they put I it at the end. I hate it. Yes. I hate it. <laughs> Welcome to the it's tragic but, and I don't know if you were being erotic before, that's when you know it was named after Magic Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I had no idea. Uh, but also, uh, you can do it. It's like fucking like, Eric, Eric, do you want to go to Vegas? Is that what you want to do here? Do you want to be a Vegas band now? Is yeah. that what you're trying to also, do? Like, yeah. I don't... What does different people sound like? Oh, I actually like different people. Okay. Um... So many different people. Oh, yeah. No, okay, yeah, that one's that, pretty good. That's two sisters, right? Two yeah, sisters. The two, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, they have their parents to blame. It's where the two can get along. Mm -hmm. you know, this is why she does the karaoke, guys. It's, well, when <laughs> and I have similar range. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's not a fabulous song, but it's not a terrible song. Yeah, I also love Sixteen. I know that oh, Evan doesn't totally my agree. I, I, I like that chorus. That's the thing. This album, even if I don't love the song, the choruses are all memorable. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every single one. Yeah. Even if, like, the song as a whole doesn't totally come together, like, this is just, like, their peak songwriting without a doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. With no doubt, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, with no doubt <laughs> but at But the all. other thing, I feel no like... No doubt in my mind. The one thing we need to also mention, because Don't Speak, I mean, no, it's the big ballad, but I feel like that was a big reveal for them as well, because for Gwen to actually, sh- like, tone it down a little bit, because she can go, like, out there and just romp around on stage and have, mm-hmm. you know, the high, expressive, crazy vocals... That was such a revelation, too, like, that she could do that. We know that now. We've heard everything she's done afterwards, but, like, in the moment, yeah. I didn't mention it earlier. Yes. But that sound you just made reminded me of how much I hate looking hot on pushing the show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Do you think I'm looking hot? I'm like, Gwen, not when you do that. (laughs) No, when you're not. Nope. No, I don't. Definitely not. Nope. Nope. Big Nope. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so uh, we're you know we're good. I think out yeah, I think we're it. all in yeah. in agreement yeah. here. It's yeah, try. I mean, it has to be tragic. All right, and well. and I will say we'll lock it in. I was almost disappointed because it is their most commercially global hit. Whether you think of Don't Speak or you think of Spiderwebs or you think of whatever else you said, just a girl. You think of Tragic Kingdom when you think of No Doubt, and I wanted to maybe fuck. Right. The commercial success in my rankings. Yeah. yeah. But in the end, there's a reason that this is yeah. the best selling like, album. Again, I I wanted Rocksteady to be number one. <laughs> and then listening to it this week, I was like, nah, it just no, isn't. It's, it's not. It's really you know, just it's a couple hairs. Keep it no, away. Yeah. yeah. All right. Like, as much as I love it solidly, it's just, it's, even even the hits on it are not on the same level right. as, like, as the tragic those hits. maybe, like, halfway down the list songs on Tragic Kingdom. Like, it's just brilliant. Brilliant. Well, uh, it's brilliant. We've locked it in, guys. Let's go through the ranking right now. Number six, The Beacon Street Collection. Number five, Push and Shove. Number four, No Doubt, the self-titled. Number three, Return of Saturn. Number two, Rocksteady. And the number one album, as we know, is Love Angel Music Baby by Gwen Stefani. I'm kidding. No, it's tragic. Or as you kept trying to call it this week, Lamb. That's what it's fucking called. No, it's not called Lamb. It's called Love Angel Music Baby. Okay, but her clothing line is called Lamb. Because it's Love Angel Music Baby. Hey, really? Yeah. 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 I hate that. That's why, remember well, that line in Wind It Up? That's why I got the lamb goes right across the shirt. Because, like, she's trying to sell fucking merchandise in the middle yeah. of her fucking single, too. It's a true story. Real tragic true story. Tragic Kingdom. It is the tra- It is true. the capital of the tragic kingdom. <laughs> Taryn's really, he's feeling so many emotions. Joy, elation, disappointment. It's great. Fantastic. You know, there are feelings. She's yeah. never been classy. That so. is accurate. But she's always been luxurious. I don't know what you're talking about. Remember when Eric Stefani left the band to become an animator on The Simpsons? That was the thing that happened. Okay. I didn't know that's what happened. I knew I loved the band. But. Yeah, that's where it went. But hey, guys, cool. listen, we've talked about this a lot. As you can clearly tell, we have a lot more to talk about. There's so many fun facts. Ephemera and weirdness <laughs> and joy. And we're going to talk about all of that in our Happy Hour Mini Soap, which is right after this. In the meantime, though, Rebel, thank you so much for being here. Oh, hey, yeah. I'm so glad you were here for this. Thank this you very like much for inviting great, me. great, and there was factoids and discussion and joy and happiness all around. Taryn, I would say that you are more talented than all three guys of Gwen Stefani. That's together. not true. I'm a better person. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they have more talent than I do. Yeah. At least they are exercising their talent. Right. Yeah. I, sure. I'm, you're also I more, ain't doing shit. You're also more humble than all three of them combined, too. So. Bitch, sit down. All right. 
Kendrick was last episode, but we still appreciate it. Anyway, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to, uh, you know, please read us on the uh, iTunes and like us on the Facebook. Because when you guys post about it, uh, more people listen to it. And we really appreciate it because we don't have a budget in free advertising. It's best advertising because, again, we don't have to pay for it. So uh, keep on listening. You know that we'll be sleeping in the happy hour mini. So good. Woo! Woo!